0: Everyone, that was lame. <laughs> we're we'll good to see you all. Uh, a couple announcements, just housekeeping while we're in the gym. Uh, so, if you didn't see the sign on the way in, uh, restrooms are back that way. So, if you need to, to find the restroom, that's where they're at. Um, it does help if you sit up front and kind of make room for people as they come in. It's just harder as people come in, it's easy to sit in that kind of back, your right section. Um, we will kneel during the normal parts of the mass. And so we have those kneelers in front of you. Um, if, you ca- if you struggle to kneel, that's okay. You can stay seated. Um, but at communion time, I want to encourage you, those can become a tripping hazard. And so while we're in the gym, uh, when you get up for communion, if you could make sure that kneeling pad is kind of safely out of the way so no one trips on it. And then during the gym, uh, while we're in here, the, um, we decided because of purely logistical reasons that we're not going to have the precious blood in mass. So if you're someone who needs uh, uh, the gluten-free host, please let us know. If you, really have, if you have like a celiac or something really serious, tell us ahead of time, and we will put out a cup for you. But in general, we're not going to do that because it, it's going to create real havoc up towards the front. The poles that we have and the drapes are, they're really sturdy. We made sure we got really sturdy ones, but we still don't encourage you to play with them, especially if you're an adult. (laughs) Okay, we have more to come, but I'll help you through the rest of the Mass. So St. Augustine has this great line. He has so many great lines, and one of the things he says is that all of us, the most natural thing on earth is to love yourself. And not in a kind of disordered way where you wake up in the morning and like, you know, wink at yourself in the mirror or something. But we, in the way that we desire to be happy. And we love ourselves and we want to be comfortable and find joy and peace and happiness. And Augustine says that in some almost inexplicable way, the man who loves himself doesn't really love himself. But amazingly, that the only way that a man really loves himself is if he doesn't love himself, but if he loves God in whom he finds his source. Now, if you're confused I've achieved my, you know, goal for this homily, so we'll be done. And I'll sit down. No, I'm just kidding. Hear that again. The one who loves himself doesn't really love himself. And here's what Augustine means by that: is that the normal way to be human is to pursue ourselves, and when we pursue happiness by finding things, whether it be material things or whether it be pleasures, whether it be persons or power. But if we love ourselves in that way, we don't love ourselves because to love someone is to desire what's best for them. And you'll never actually find happiness that way. The only way, Augustine says, to really love yourself in the truest sense is to love another. It's actually to forget yourself and to love God because God is your source. We're going to get to that tonight. Tonight's gospel is so powerful. It's so beautiful. I wasn't with you last weekend. I was with our engaged couples But for the last weekend and then tonight, Jesus talks in John chapter 15, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you. We're going to talk tonight about how what Jesus is going to reveal to us is that he is the source of life we can't give ourselves life only God can so if you're on the marriage retreat I spotted two couples already so forgive me I'm using Dante again the rest of you are like what so Dante does this really well so when I was a couple years ago I had never read Dante and I was always freaked out right? if any of you guys read Dante this means yes. by the way it feels really weird to be up so high I'm, I can see you all much better so I can tell if you're sleeping so watch out but I was scared to read Dante because I thought it's going to be really creepy and I'm going to read about all these tortures in hell and it's going to be just awful and I don't think I can stomach that, right? I can't even watch scary movies. They freak me out. So I was like, I can't read Dante, but I felt like I was playing into what Mark Twain says. You know, Mark Twain has a great line. He says, a classic is a book that everyone loves but no one has read. And that was me with Dante. I was like, oh yeah, I love Dante. Love the the Divine Comedy. Never read it. So I finally decided a couple years ago to read it. And you have to read it, brothers and sisters. And the, the story of the Divine Comedy, it's not meant to be a precise theological treatment, but it's Dante's allegory about the Christian life. And so Dante travels through hell purgatory and then into heaven. And what he's telling you is that's our journey. To be a Christian is to be on a journey towards heaven. And one of the most profound things he shows is that to enter into heaven, you and I have to learn how to love like God. We have to learn how to love in a different way. And if you don't do that in this life, the only chance you have is purgatory. And purgatory is that place where if we did not learn how to love God the way we're supposed to and like God, that's, by, by his mercy, that's where we get to learn it. Okay, so when you read the, in the, the Divine Comedy and you get to the purgatory, what you'll read about is Dante, or Dante uses an allegory. And he says that purgatory is like a mountain. And it's a mountain you have to climb. And that's the Christian life. If you're going to love Jesus, if you're going to be a real Christian, it's, it's an uphill climb. And Dante says that the mountain of purgatory, what happens is you get there and an angel puts seven peas across your forehead. And Dante spoke Latin and he was the father of the Italian language. And the reason there's peas is for the word peccata, sin. And so you have the seven deadly sins inscribed on your forehead. What happens is, in purgatory, you overcome each of those sins. You become the man or the woman that God intended you to be. And so there's these seven levels of the mountain of purgatory. And once you conquer that sin, an angel pronounces a prayer of absolution over you. And one of the P's is erased from your head. And so you overcome your lust and your pride and your envy and your vanity. You overcome your gluttony where all things are about you. And you are on your way to become the man or the woman that God created you to be. It's quite beautiful. But the whole reason I bring it up tonight is that Dante says the very beginning of that mountain is the hardest part. The very start of that mountain is the steepest. As you go up, it actually gets less uh, less steep. It's more gradual. It gets easier and easier. And what he's saying is that the, the start of the Christian life is the hardest. The very first thing in the Christian life is the hardest thing. Because the first level you have to conquer on the mountain of purgatory is pride. What is pride? Pride is a disordered love of self. It's where we say, God, I don't need you. It's when I say, I am my own source. I don't care what God says, I have my life. I get to go in the direction I want. As a friend of mine says, I know everything about everything. That's pride. To be a Christian, brothers and sisters, the first step you have to make to ascend that mountain on your way to heaven is to admit that you are not God. And to worship God means that He is the center of things and you're not. Here's how Origen says this. Origen says, Blessed is he who is ever born of God. And what he's going to get at, here's the, here's the point he's going to get to, right? Imagine a river, right? A river uh, can, can, you know, if, if, if you personify it could say, I'm my own source. I'm everything. Look at how amazing I am. I'm a river. But a river only exists because of its source. Right? There's a spring or a lake. There is something that pours life into that river. And the truth, brothers and sisters, is you're a creature. You are not God. You do not have divine life in yourself. Only he does. So Origen says, blessed is he who is ever born of God. For the righteous man is not born of God just once, but constantly. It's like that river. The river is not all of a sudden one time. But the source of the river continually pours that water into it. The righteous man is not born of God just once, but constantly. In every good work, God gives birth to him. This can be explained by reference to the Savior. The Savior was not begotten by the Father at some specific moment, right? There's not a moment where God the Father said, I have begotten the Son, and it's over. Eternally, right? We say in the Creed that the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. Jesus... His very existence as the Son of God flows from his source, which is the Father. Right? Jesus does not live by himself, he lives from another. The same is true of the righteous. The Savior is the radiance of the Father's glory. Right? As light, it emits this radiance. Radiance is not emitted at a certain moment, it radiates as long as the light shines. Thus, the radiance of God's glory is begotten eternally. And the same is true of you, inasmuch as you possess the spirit of sonship. Tonight in our gospel, brothers and sisters, I know this is a lot. Hang with me. Tonight in our gospel, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. You and I as Christians, right, the world tells us, do you want to have a good life? Go your own way. I would make a Fleetwood Mac reference, but most of you wouldn't get it. But you're too young, all of you. But anyway, but that's what the world says. The world says, make your own path, find your own way, determine your own life. The Christian says, I am not my own source. I live, my life comes from another. And not just biological life, eternal spiritual life. It does not come from me. It is only in God. Jesus says this all over the place. He tells us all the time during the Gospels that he does not do things on his own accord, but he only does the things that he has been given by the Father. He lives from the Father and for him. I am the vine you are the branches. If you cut a branch off from the vine, it cannot live. And brothers and sisters, very simply, I think that's what it means to worship God. Primarily in Mass, but in our whole life, someone who truly worships God is someone who knows that their entire life is lived from him. Okay, that's way too deep. But it's worth praying with. One last thing tonight. So a friend of mine who is totally absurd and ridiculous, Father Nathan Goble. Some of you know him. He's famous for two things, Catholic stuff you should know podcast, which I do not recommend. <laughs> and and secondly, he's famous because he actually has a mullet and he's a priest. So that should be banished in canon law somewhere but apparently it's not. So Father Nathan though, I want to talk about our second topic tonight I want to wrap up with Jesus says the oddest thing tonight. But it, it, Father Nathan says this really well. He, if you become a bishop what happens is you get to pick what's called an episcopal motto. It's kind of like you're like it's like your walkout song, you know how the Rockies have like a walkout song? It's kind of like that, as a bishop. It's like, this is what I'm all about. This is me. And Father Nathan says, if he ever becomes a bishop, his motto will be from tonight's gospel. You are my friends if you do what I command you. That's it. Thank God he will never be a bishop. Why did Jesus say that tonight? Why did he say, you are my friends if you do what I command you? Can we be friends, Jesus, and me do my own thing? Right? Can we do that? Brothers and sisters, you do not have life in you. Jesus' commandments are about heaven and eternal life. If that's everything, if that's what the Lord wants to give you, I want to leave you with this. Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. That word keep is a cool word. It doesn't mean that we just don't break the law. To keep in Greek is tereo. And it echoes a line in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis 2, God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden to till and to keep the garden. And here's the connection tonight. Jesus is talking about a vineyard, about a vine. and He tells us to keep that, to keep his commandments, to abide in him. Brothers and sisters, the great saints of the church tell us that the Garden of Eden is an image of your soul. That Eden was a place where Adam and Eve, that mankind could walk in communion with God the ultimate fulfillment of that is not a place that's physical. It's your soul. And Adam was called, the word to keep in Hebrew, shamar, also means to guard. Adam was called to guard and protect the Garden of Eden. But he didn't. Right? Temptation enters in. And Satan enters in. Brothers and sisters, are you guarding your soul? To be a Christian is not a passive thing. It means that we have been loved with an, a, a d- divine love. Jesus, if you fill me with life, with goodness, with love and peace, with everything I need for eternal life. But I am not called to be passive in that. Brothers and sisters, you and I have to guard our souls. What sin does is it cuts us off from the vine that is Christ. That's what it does. Are you an active Christian? Are you guarding your soul? Are you careful about what comes into your eyes and your ears? Are you careful about your relationships? Do you know that God has given you a gift that is so precious you are called to protect it? Lord Jesus, tonight, Lord, I do not have life within me. Jesus, I am prone towards death, I am prone to darkness. I am prone to despair and misery. But you are my source. You are my life. You are the one who calls me to eternity, who brings me from darkness into light. Jesus, may we know the gift we have been given. Lord, may we guard it faithfully.